0: Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to episode 16 of Tennis with an Accent. Um, The year has gotten off to a cracking start with the Australian Open. And now we're on to the rest of the season, which looks really intriguing. Um, Last week, we had several players playing in different tournaments around the world. And there was also Davis Cup over the weekend. Um, In the meantime, uh, Saqib had a chance to catch up with Jose Marais, uh, who writes for uh, GQ Portugal. Um, who is a huge uh, tennis fan and and also uh, a tennis writer. Uh, Saqib, uh, you had this conversation with Jose. Uh, tell us a little bit about it as we get into um, talking, I mean, your conversation with Jose.
1: Yeah, he really uh, knows the game well and is covering, I think now for the last few years, he's been attending with the a media pass at the Estrel Open and has covered many Davis Cup uh, ties for Portugal. So yeah, just picked his brain on the various issues uh, from the Shapovalov incidents to what's going on with theme and uh, Cilic and uh, the Portuguese tennis in general. So it was a great chat.
0: Okay, great. So uh, let's play your chat with uh, with Jose uh, and uh, I hope uh, everyone listens to it because there's a lot of interesting insights coming from, uh, from Jose on uh, young players and also uh, European talent.
1: Yeah, and one more thing, besides being a very serious tennis writer and a tennis mind, Jose also resembles Grigor Dimitrov in street clothes.
0: So. <laughs> so he's got a career as Dimitrov if he doesn't
1: make it. <laughs> yeah, for all the girls listening out there, yeah, give us a page of follow if you're already not following him.
0: <laughs> all right, let's get started with Ho- Jose's interview then.
1: So, Jose, uh, where where are we finding you? You are home, I believe. It's one one a.m. in Portugal.
2: Yeah, it's close to one a.m. now.
1: Okay, thanks Thanks for doing this.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Uh, anytime, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of things going on in tennis. And uh, the one I wanted to really touch upon is the Denis Shapovalov incident in Davis Cup. Yeah. Uh, what is your take on it? I know the tennis community is divided. A lot of players think it's an accident. Uh, of course, it's not intentional. But yeah. a lot of media people and a lot of... Uh, basically, the voice is the fine should be heavier because you can set an example. So... What do you see in that case?
2: Uh, I mean, it was cl- clearly unintentional. I mean, Shapovalov has said it. The ITF released uh, a statement uh, like an hour before the the issue, saying the same th- the same thing, uh, which is true. Uh, he was pretty frustrated. He was a breakdown. Uh, he was close to to lose the match, to lose the tie. He's pretty young, so it was a lot a lot uh, over his shoulders, and uh, it was a hard moment for him. I mean if he deserves the fine I believe he does because it was a pretty bad incident and that's that's the only fair thing to do he was fining seven thousand dollars five thousand dollars for the the act the 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 incident and another two thousand for the the default and I don't know I mean it's a tough situation I've never seen anything like that I mean I, I think it's the hardest polyviews I've ever seen in my life. So it was pretty hard. Uh, it's a, uh, there's a lot of people talking about the ban. If he deserves mm-hmm. a ban, I mean, I don't think he deserves to be taken as an example because, as I said, he's pretty young and uh, he's taking this pretty seriously as well. He, he has said he's ready to to accept any consequences, the ITF and, and I don't know, even Davis Cup, even Canada team may, may give him. I wouldn't be surprised if if the ITF, uh, I mean, punish him with some kind of ban, but I don't think it's that necessary because he's learned his lesson. There are a lot of players on his side, a lot of players going on Twitter, like supporting him, say, saying it is an accident. It happens. It, it was a bad, horrible thing to, to do. I think he has uh, given his opinion on this. He's clearly, he's clearly regretted the, the incident. And, uh, yeah, I hope this, this doesn't like, it's, it's a bad moment on his career, but I believe there's way, way more to, to come in his career and there'll be a lot of good things to overcome no, ab- this ab- bad ab- thing.
1: Absolutely. He's, he's a wonderful talent and, uh, you know, he can probably be a, a very top player, but I think my only concern is I'm kind of, uh, not as sure because, uh, uh, of course, it's unintentional. Nobody wants to hit anyone. But I think where the problem here is in tennis, people throw the ball in stands and Djokovic has done it a few times. Of course, they are upset at that point. They want to let some energy go. But at the same time, I think it's very reckless because this is an accident. You throw the ball, uh, 99 out of 100 times, it won't hit anyone. But that 100 time, it can hit someone and it, you know, some, that someone can get hurt. So yeah, I think that's, that's the other side of the argument because of course it's not intentional, but, uh, something should be done because Players have to be sometimes be a little careful. That's the only other side.
2: Yeah, I mean, and there, uh, there are some people comparing this to to what Djokovic did uh, a few a few weeks back when he hit some some spectator that was watching the final uh, of the uh, of Dubai actually. And there's one thing: it's nothing to do with what Djokovic did. The, what Shop, Shop of Love did was way, way worse. Uh, there was a lot of controversy around Djokovic incidents back then, and the, the umpire didn't, didn't even give him a warning. So there are a lot of people saying that because Djokovic is Djokovic, I don't know, number two in the world, and a lot, there's a lot of influences going on here. Um, I don't have a slight doubt that if Djokovic or Murray or Federer or Nadal did, uh, Anytime that do what Chapovalov did, they will they would clearly get the same uh, punishment that Chapovalov did. It's it's clear. And uh, yeah, I mean, the rules are are not very strict. Maybe maybe they should Mm -hmm. be more clear about uh, incidents like this uh, because it gets it keeps happening. And uh, Chapovalov is young and maybe. This is going to set the rest of his career. He's going to have, he's going to pay a lot more attention to any frustrated acts that he does on the court from now on. Um, yeah. But yeah, if if Djokovic did the same thing, would, we be, would he be punished? Yeah, definitely. That's that's not even a, an argument to have.
1: Okay, so yeah, this is uh, hopefully this is not the only thing. Shapovalov is going to be talked about. I think he'll probably have a good year and probably come close to. Uh, the top hundred uh, Yeah, i
2: mean my my concern is that this is going to to hunch up a lot for the rest of his career. I hope he doesn't because he has a lot of tennis there's some things here and there that that he should improve uh mentally of course, but he has a lot of power a lot of uh, a lot of potential and I believe in like two years and I hope nobody remembers this because it was only a tiny moment in his i hope a really good career that
1: Absolutely. Okay, so since we are talking uh, Davis Cup, let's stick to Davis Cup. Uh, Portugal had a good win over Israel. Yeah. And you guys have now two players in the top 100. Sousa has been there for a while, and now Gastão Elias has, is there. Uh, so tell us uh, more about Elias uh, for our audience and the listeners. I know he played a tough match against Dominic Thiem in Sydney. Uh, yeah. h- how is the game and what is the potential? How does the Portuguese public see this guy? I mean, what is the potential here?
2: Uh, Elias is quite a guy, you know, a lot of... Uh, I think everybody in Portugal really likes him. Uh, he has his game is is really pleasing to watch. Uh, really, really great backhand. Uh, it's he's real talented on clay. Uh, he reached the top 100 right before Estoril Open last year when he when he won a, a challenging tournament in Italy. And mm-hmm. uh, he, yeah, he has been pretty consistent. Has done some great, uh, some great score, some good, some great tournaments, some great matches uh he played a great match with team in Sydney he also played a really really great match with team back in back last year in Guimarães also uh, also in Davis Cup he lost in five sets and he was i believe two three points away from the win so it was hard court it was indoors so team actually had some sort of leverage there but Gaston really re- did really great and hey uh, yeah, i mean there was an interview that was uh, Released, published today, where Gaston says he would like to be in the top, uh, in the top 50. It's his main goal. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to get there. I mean, his, game is getting better. He's getting more and more used to the ATP matches, which I think it was something that was lacking. Some kind of pace, some kind of, some kind of rhythm, and he's getting that rhythm. He's going to play now in Buenos Aires. Then he's moving to, to also to the American swing. Then to play Indian Wells in Miami. And he's getting used to to this kind of environment, to this kind of matches. is is not a lot, not at all afraid to, to face the big guys. And Portugal is definitely living the the best time of the best time ever in, in tennis. We previously we had uh, Rui Machado and Frederico Gil, that set the bar pretty high. And back then we everyone was thinking, I don't know, I mean these two guys are are. The grace we have ever had is going to be pretty tough to overcome this. And then John Sosa came. I mean, he reached the top 50, the top 40, uh, winning ATP titles, playing now, I believe, seven, eight, eight ATP finals. He played a final this year already. Yeah, in Auckland. Yeah, in Auckland, exactly. He lost to Jack Sock only in a pretty close match. So we, we are living the best time ever and there's only great things to come. We also have some some young uh, some young players, uh, I know, showing their talent. Duarte Val did a great uh, Australian Open tournament. He he was he played the finals of the doubles tournament. So, yeah, I mean, let's see. But I believe 2007 is going to be a great year for Gaston and also Portugal,
1: definitely. So now Portugal uh, are going to be in the World Group playoffs, right? Or they are in the World Group?
2: No, actually, had to play we had to play Ukraine first. Then it's the second round of Group One. Then if we win in Ukraine, which is going to be here in Lisbon, the surface is on. It's still uh, uh, it's still not uh, revealed which surface is going to be played. I believe it's going to be clay, but let's see. Then if we if we beat uh, Ukraine, we're going to face one of the teams that lost in the first round of the World Group. So we have two more ties to go to to, to be in the World Group. We played the playoffs. Of the world group a few years back but we faced switzerland and federer and babrynka both played and we had really no chance in placing play- in switzerland so we're we really didn't have a chance this year i believe it's going to be different i mean i'm definitely uh, positive about uh, playing about playing and beating ukraine so let's see it's going to be it's, we'll have to see which team we are going to face in the playoffs? If we have, if you, we are a bit lucky. Maybe we can get there. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So just uh, wrapping up on Elias. Elias. That's how you say it. I was saying Elias.
2: Yeah,
1: Ilias, yeah, Elias. Yeah. Elias. Okay. So his best surface is clay. Uh, so probably a good season coming up. Then you know he can rack up some ranking points and move up uh, closer to his goal, which is top fifty. Right now he's I think seventy-seven in the world. or...?
2: uh right now i believe it's a bit higher 73 yeah he's okay. 73 uh his he, best uh, best surface is clay he's also pretty good on hard courts uh i mean the only bad surface i, I believe you can call it is uh, is grass for portuguese players grass surface it never was the the best uh of, <laughs> of, of the best surface to show their potential even though uh, Juan Souza played a really really close match to Roger Federer uh, in uh, Halle a three sets match uh, I mean and he was he was pretty close to get to win as well so Gaston is yeah he is great on play he's also good on hard court so mm-hmm. yeah those are the two main surfaces of the of the tour so yeah only only great news to come I believe and Maybe yeah, and and I do his goal, as I said is to reach top fifty this year, and I I'm, I don't have many doubts he he will get there eventually.
1: Yeah, I was impressed what I saw in Sydney. I was watching his match with Team on TV, and it looked like uh, this guy has good potential. So
2: yeah, I mean, Maybe, what impressed me uh, most about uh, about Elise is that he's not afraid to to go to, to get to the net to finish the point, even though we, even though when he has players like Dominic Tim on the other side and. That's a pretty great mindset to have when you are climbing on the rankings and you, when we are trying to, to be part of the top guns. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, let's see. As I said, let's see. I don't like to, to make uh, too many predictions, I don't, know. I don't like to, to make too many expectations. Uh, but I do believe that he will have a great season.
1: So let's uh, talk about Dominic theme because that name came up a few times. What do you think is happening to this guy? He had such a breakout year last year.
2: Uh, that's the main question, you know. <laughs> Dominic keeps saying that he's not playing too much, but, I mean, he needs he needs to find a balance. Uh, I don't know, it's not possible. Last year, I, I, I'm right now looking at his, uh, at his uh, playing activity last year. Uh, he, he played way too many matches and he he had some losses that I believe he he wouldn't have, he, he he wouldn't have these losses if he was uh, more fresh uh he, this this today's loss was his worst loss since July July in terms of ranking if we exclude mm-hmm. Del Potro at the US Open of course for obvious reasons so if it, if it is too much tennis it's easy answer to give because definitely Dominic has been playing uh very very much. I believe he, he should find a balance because and I believe he will find a balance the moment he starts playing bearing in in high in better tournaments like playing a final of a Masters of a Masters 1000, playing a semi-final of a Grand Slam. When he sees that he's getting there, uh he will start he will he will start playing less tournaments. He reminds me of what Ferrer and maybe Tipsarevic did a few years back when those these two guys actually were in the top ten, but they weren't playing. They weren't playing like less stages of grand slams and Masters were thousand. So why were they in the top ten? Because they kept playing a lot of tournaments. And when you play a lot of tournaments, when you play less, less. I don't know. I don't. I don't like to say easier tournaments, but when you play yeah. like ATP 500, ATP 250, I mean there are not a lot of the top ten players there and if a player like Ferrero or Tsarevich play those tournaments, it would be easier for them to to go further in the tournament than to play a final to win a title and to stay in the top ten. So team is probably trying to figure out how, what how what he's going to do to remain in the top ten. If this is the way to go, I don't know. I think we have seen enough and I think we have seen that this is not the way to go. So he will need to find a of balance. And he hasn't yeah. find that balance yet.
1: The only difference I find, and you give very good example of Tepsarovic, and even I'll go further back to Davidenko. Davidenko played a heavy schedule yeah. and was always in top 10. But my thing is, uh, with the federer nadal Djokovic era, uh, Ferrer, as good as he is, was never actually a contender. He was always seen as a second group of guys with Burdick and Songa. Yeah. But with Dominic Thiem, he's already seen as a contender to win Roland Garros. So I don't know why his team is, uh, he's already settled in top 10. They should come up with a schedule so he can make those deep runs. I think that's uh, hopefully you know if someone like we are discussing it. Hopefully his team makes this conscious decision and the guy cuts down his schedule because I saw him at Roland Garros last year. The guy has a beautiful game and I think he probably will win there. Sure, sure. Then. I
2: mean, I mean, it is it it is to talk when you are on the outside and probably team team say that it's I don't know. I'm not playing enough matches. Maybe I need to play more. Maybe I, I need to play more tournaments. If he's saying that, he's probably he's probably. Probably has a reason to say that. But from Mm. the outside, what people see that maybe Dominic is not, is not. uh, I don't know. uh, Having the best choices uh, season-wise. I mean, not having the best tournaments, uh, the best choices of schedule uh, to to fit his his year and his own body because he needs to rest and maybe maybe he needs to realize he's, he's a young player. He wants to play, he wants to win, he wants to be there, he wants to be consistent, consistently in the final stages, but maybe from time to time you will start realizing that maybe this is not the way to go. Maybe it's better for you to drop a few spots in the ranking, but stabilize, uh, give yourself the best at uh, Masters 1000s and Grand Slams, play the, the final stages there, and then see your ranking go higher and higher, the, the more you give uh, on those tournaments because playing ATPs to 50s every week, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy at all.
1: Yeah, it's not. And then, you know, that's when you run out of gas. When you play the 1000s and Grand Slam, you don't have enough energy left. So... yeah. Uh, another guy who's been struggling is uh, Marin Cilic. Uh, what do you think is going on there? This guy is kind of on a losing streak. That's a
2: pretty good question. I mean, I haven't watched much of Marin Cilic. He's playing is the is actually going to be one of the top seeds in Rotterdam uh, because Nadal withdrew Stan Wawrinka also withdrew so maybe he has a, a shot there uh i don't know i mean in terms of when when you are in the in the top 10 ranking in the top 50 it's a lot of it's a lot of mental issues sometimes you you go through i mean Djokovic is the the most obvious uh, example that you have right now. Djokovic had uh, some so, some sort of injury uh, at Davis Cup last week with his shoulder. But I believe, I mean, changing the, the subject, if if I might, it's all mental. It's all mental with Djokovic. I mean, when he won Roland Garros, he was like, okay, my season is done. And uh, whatever comes is going to be, trying to be a plus. It's going like to be some sort of goal. So I won Roland Garros, my season is done. And uh, I can take the, all the positives from here. Um, with these guys, I mean, they have the fit, they have the game, they have the power. So what sometimes they are lacking is some, some sort of motivation and maybe Chilich is going through that. Um, I mean, the season has just started, so there's still a lot to come. Um and we'll see, but uh, yeah, I believe it's more mental than than actually physical wise.
1: Yeah, I agree. Season is very young, so who who are the guys? I mean, uh, you follow tennis? I see your you know Twitter feed. Yeah. Uh, who are the guys you're looking forward to this season? Because for me, it's uh, the Russian guy uh, Karen Hashinov. I think I'm really thinking that's the second coming of Marat Safin. Uh, who's yeah. the guy on the spotlight? Who are you uh, following?
2: Um, I'm pretty. I'm. Talking from from the top of the ranking, then going lower as we speak. I I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see the battle between Murray, Djokovic, uh, and Nadal. Also, Federer, uh, of course, to see who's going to finish the year as world number one. Because I mean, there was uh, this is the first year in like three to four years that I I really can not predict whoever is going to finish the year the year as world number one. Uh, they are they are all playing uh, quite well, and uh, I mean they're giving the best. Federer just won a Grand Slam when nobody uh, pretty had any any sort of expectation of it, of him winning a Grand Slam, so that is going to be really really exciting to see. Then Zverev, I mean Zverev has... Has been playing really great recently. Uh, he's only 19 years old. He's anyone in the world. I mean, he has shown his potential, and I believe he's going to win a couple titles this season. It's about time that he goes even higher. I mean, being close to top 100 at 19 years old, it's not something easy to do. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm eager to see what he's going to do. Then I don't know. I mean, just a regular guys. Bernard charge is also kind of away from the game right now. Is is dropped the rankings from week to week and there's some sort of problem going there uh, also Not I don't believe it's, it's uh, Here I believe he, he does have some room for improvement um, On his physical because I saw him at the surreal open um, last year and I Mean, I don't know. It seems like it seems like he gets tired pretty quickly um, maybe he needs to work more on his resistance to to handle the longer matches. And once he does this, maybe he can play a little better. Then I don't know, Devev probably as well. He's um, uh, also playing really great, going high in the rankings. And I mean there are a lot of, there are a lot of young guys, a lot of guys with nineteen only but with ten to twenty years old there are a lot of top top guys in the top one hundred, like Ian Chang as well. So Let's see how this ranking finishes up in the final, in the end of the season. Uh, but I, I'm really looking forward to see Zverev because I don't know, maybe it, it, it wasn't, it isn't so uh, so of an uh, un- unpredicted uh, prediction to, if mm. if, you, if I'm being understood, to put him maybe playing the World Tour finals or playing. Uh, Putting him in the top top ten in the end of the season, I don't think that's impossible at all. It's it's really up to him. So
1: let's yeah, see. Zverev really looks, I think, like a very safe bet if he stays injury free and he keeps winning matches. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes uh, you know the World Tour finals. Sure. Because uh, because I don't know how Gael Monfils and some of the uh, other guys who were in the top ten, like Burdick is out of top ten. I don't know how their games are going to shape up because it's going to be a very interesting here. Yeah, so mostly yeah, my... pretty
2: inconsistent, consistent. You know, you really never know what to expect from him. It's it seems that he has find uh, a balance between his uh, extravagances and uh, and his game. He can can set a line uh, in his game and do his show and also play, playing great. So that's why he has uh, been in the top uh, in the top twenty for quite some time now. So the rest of the players, I mean, as I said. If I had to guess who is going to finish in, as world number one in the end of the season, I, I don't. I don't believe I could be able to tell you that because it's pretty. It's it's really unpredictable right now. Uh, Nadal really surprised me at the, at uh, at the Australian Open, maybe more than Federer. Uh, and if he keeps playing the way he played, it, it may he goes from some sort of. Disappeared guy to being, once again, the main contender to win Roland Garros. Because it's about time if Nadal also wins another Grand Slam, it would be great for him.
1: Okay, since we're talking Nadal and Federer, I would like to conclude this because my co-host had sent a question for you. He wants to ask you, uh, should Federer skip the entire clay court season uh, since he already has a great start and just come fresh for Wimbledon?
2: I don't think he should. I, I mean, at the very least, he should play Roland Garros because... Uh, he's been very happy there, and actually the fans deserve to to have him playing there. If he should if he should play less tournaments, yes, maybe I don't know Madrid, uh, Rome, and Roland Garros. I mean, skip Monte Carlo, skip uh, other ATP 500 tournaments, but play at least those three tournaments that uh, that he likes to play in. I mean, I, I believe I believe he does like to play to play in Madrid. Uh, I believe he also misses blue play, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, but I, I don't think it should At least, the, the very least, playing Roland Garros And one of those Masters 1000 tournaments At the very least
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, personally, uh, my opinion is He will play Roland Garros because he missed it last year And I yeah. don't know if he believes in saying goodbyes But he wants to go one more time to France I don't know how long he will play But he definitely, I think he's going to play Roland Garros this year yeah,
2: his quotes at the end of the Australian Open were were quite worrying for his fans because if he says if he said things like if I do come back or he wasn't he, I don't know he 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 wasn't too sure that he was going to come back you know it he, he, it was pretty intriguing uh so he's going to to make the most of his season definitely and. I don't think he's even considering not playing the Roland Garros. So it's he's going, he's going to be in Paris.
1: So, hey, Jose, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know it's pretty late in uh, Lisbon, so, yeah, we should do this again.
2: Yeah, thank and, uh, you for having me. Sorry, sorry if my English is not perfect. I mean, I try my best.
1: So, no, using, it's fine. Believe me, Thank you very much
2: way. for having me. Uh, thank you for your interest in Portuguese tennis. It's great to see people from other countries getting interested in our players and uh, yeah, good luck to your players too for the rest of the season.